1: Welcome back to The Agent of Wealth. This is your host, Mark Baudis. When I look for topics to cover on the podcast, I usually try and pick out something that I'm getting a lot of questions about or something that's getting a lot of coverage in the media. And right now, I don't think there's anything that's getting more attention than inflation. It's the reason that the Fed is raising interest rates. It's the primary reason that we're hearing about a recession upcoming in the next year. We're all feeling it in everything we spend money on. And it's also causing a lot of volatility in the markets. So on today's episode, we'll cover everything going on with inflation and then what we can project what will happen next and answer that question if we've hit or when will we hit peak inflation. All right, so first we'll start off with what is inflation? And it's simply a rise in prices, which ultimately results in a reduction in purchasing power. So unless you've been hibernating the past year as a consumer, you've definitely felt inflation. Prices on just about everything have gone up recently. You know, we felt it at the gas pump. Food prices are astronomical. Whether it's your weekly grocery bill that's jumped up. I've seen a cheeseburger cost $20. And it's not just food and gas. It's really everything that we spend money on. But we don't just feel the pain of inflation when we spend something at the cash register. And while this is not a plug for financial planning, most people spend every dime that comes in as income, which makes it pretty hard to adjust your lifestyle when it comes to inflationary periods, and then you wind up spending more money than you you have. So in inflation, you know, you see people spending all their income, but when their expenses increase, like let's say 10% because of inflation, it becomes a pretty significant problem. And instead of, like I mentioned, changing your lifestyle, cutting back on spending, the way that people adjust to inflation is they increase their debt or they put more things on credit card or credit card debt will start to build up. Or just as bad as increasing your credit card, the first thing that they'll cut back on is savings in their 401k or other savings vehicles that they have. There was a recent Morgan Stanley study which concluded that 31% of U.S. workers have reduced their 401k contributions over the past year. And ultimately, that's just because something has to give. You know, if expenses are rising, and yes, wages and income have risen as well, but maybe not as much as inflation has. So you have to kind of figure out, okay, what can I do? And it's either one side or the other. It's either reduce expenses or increase income. And one of those expenses is 401k contributions. The other reason that people are reducing 401k contributions are because the market's dropped, and that kind of sentiment is it's not a good time to invest because the market is dropping, when in reality, it's probably the opposite of what people should be doing. Because of dollar cost averaging, you can make the argument that you should be increasing or at least continuing your contributions, but obviously everyone's situation is is different. and When it comes to making a decision on whether to put food on the table or saving a 401k, you know, ultimately putting food on the table is going to win out. Inflation, is it's really damaging. It can also hit retirees uh, really hard. They may have fixed income or they may have run their projections on how long the, their money will last. And all of a sudden inflation, including different premiums like Medicare premiums, can eat into it. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a second. But first, I just wanted to talk about why do we have inflation? So as a country, we've been in this easy monetary policy for a long time over a decade long and easy monet money or easy monetary policy there's really two main things that are causing it one is low interest rates and the second is the government you know they want to spur the economy they want to keep the economy humming along and one thing they do is they'll buy bonds from banks which then makes the banks flush with cash and then they're encouraged to lend it out so now there's money all over the place you know you can look at the covid pandemic as an example of this there was trillion dollar plus stimulus packages being kicked out but the easy money policy even started before that back in 2008 2009 during the housing market crisis and you know over those years each time that you know you'd hear about the easy money policy you'd hear someone you know say oh that bill is going to come due at some time and someone's going to have to pay for that well inflation is one of the things that we're seeing as a byproduct of that To give you a couple examples of what it looks like. Let's say I want to go buy a house and I have cash. I have no trouble getting a loan because, like I said, those banks want to lend out money. They're encouraged to. Interest rates are low on the loan. So it's no problem for me to make that monthly mortgage payment. I can make a big offer on a house. Well, there may be 20 people or 50 people in that same boat. And then like the law of supply and demand, if everyone is flush with money, it's just going to drive up what that home sells for, which snowballs and in turn drives up the market value of the next home that goes out on the market. And it kind of just keeps going and going. Or another example is, let's say a company that's looking to hire workers. If the company has easy access to money for cheap, which they might be able to the same way that someone can obtain a loan for a house for a very low interest rate, companies have that same ability to have easy access to money as well. Well, they can offer workers a higher salary. And then when you have a lot of companies that are in that same boat that have a lot of extra money and have easy access to money, it drives up wages. And then you throw on top of that the low unemployment rate. Again, going back to that law of supply and demand, there's few workers out there for many jobs, which means that wages should increase in those in those areas left unchecked, inflation can get out of control. And while we'll probably never get to be like countries like Venezuela or Argentina when it comes to inflation, it can be destructive if it's left to run rampant. So that's where the Fed comes in. Now, the same way that they can set this easy money policy by keeping interest rates low or injecting cash or money into the economy, they can do the opposite. They can raise interest rates or they can tighten the money supply and they can stop buying bonds from banks or stop injecting money into the economy, but they do have to play this balancing act. If they do it too fast, they risk basically crumbling or or crushing the economy. And that's what we've been hearing about called this hard landing. The Fed's goal is to keep the economy healthy and have what's called a soft landing. So they want to reduce inflation, which then in turn sets the stage for another either run of expansion or run of growth in the economy. The fact that the economy has its peaks, valleys, expansions, contractions, it's nothing new. It's, it always happens. The timeframes between each of those things is, that's what's different each time. But we're, the situation we're in in the economy is nothing that's never happened before. It's just really, well, how's it going to play out? And I think because we're in this period of uncertainty, where we don't know what's going to be the impact of the Fed raising rates, are we going to have a recession next year? Will it be a severe one, a minor one, moderate? The markets are are reacting like they always do when there's uncertainty, and we've seen a big drop this year because of it. You know, the funny thing is, stocks usually do well in inflationary periods. This year, it's obviously not one of them. But we'll talk about what we can see going forward, and and again, going back to that original question we had about peak inflation. There are some silver linings to high inflation. There's are some updates to the tax brackets for 2023 that recently came out, and what's going to happen is because of the high inflation this year, the tax bracket income thresholds will shift to the right. So what that means is that some of your income may be taxed at a lower tax rate, which should result in a savings. Now, the tax brackets didn't shift the same percentage amount of inflation, but it is definitely a lot better than if they stayed where they are. There's also increases in the estate tax exemption, gift tax thresholds. There are updates to Social Security. So the cost of living adjustment for Social Security in 2023 will be 8.7%. That extra income, it may increase your Medicare premium because it may bump you up into a higher bracket. But ultimately, it definitely should be a good thing. One question I get about Social Security and cost of living adjustments is that if someone's not already claiming Social Security, will they still benefit from this high COLA next year? And the answer is yes, Even though you're not collecting Social Security, you'll still get that 8.7% cost of living adjustment built into your future benefit. So it's no need to worry, even if you aren't collecting Social Security. Another silver lining is that fixed income, it's starting to become investable again. You have I bonds, which have had a high interest rate. Uh, Last year, the rates actually just reset on November 1st. They've come down, and maybe they'll come down again. They're going to reset again in May. But still, the inflation is still there and the rates are still high. T-bills are another thing that's become investable. So T-bills can be anywhere from a three month, six month, one year treasury, and those rates are in the 4%, which for something with such a short maturity, you don't very see that very often. Previously, when you would build a portfolio, we'd include fixed income in it, mainly as a hedge against falling stock prices. You know, Over the past decade, interest rates have been so low that almost any fixed income instrument was kicking off a me- measly yield. So no one was getting rich or making enough money off of yields on bonds or or any fixed income. And this year, the hedge that they were in portfolios didn't hold up well because interest rates have, have risen exponentially against falling stocks. But like I mentioned, their yields are, are now worthy to, to consider and fixed income once again has become investable. So I think the biggest answer that the market is asking right now is when will we get to peak inflation? So a couple things to note about that. One, I mentioned the I-bonds yields reset on November 1st, and while they're still high at six point eight nine they're lower than we, they were, so that may be an, one indicator. In the month of October, the stock market had its best month since 1976. On one of our recent podcast episodes, we talked about how the stock market's a leading indicator. Another question I get frequently is, should I sell everything because we're going to have a recession next year? And the way it works is the stock market's already ahead of you. The drop this year was because of the potential recession next year. The gain in October could be a start to the market thinking that the Fed will pivot, slow down on raising rates, and therefore the recession won't be as severe as initially predicted couple of those talking head economists, they've come out with comments. One, David Rosenberg, he thinks that inflation will drop from the current 8% to 3% next year. Now, he does warn that the Fed has to be careful because they're rapidly hiking interest rates Even though stocks are in a bear market and the overall economic outlook is unclear, he thinks that if the Fed keeps tightening the way it's going, it could take the housing sector down and spark a credit crunch in the banking sector. So I think one of the key things will be in the the first week of November to see some indication. Most likely the Fed is going to raise another 75 basis points, but what their comments are around future raises, I think that'll be important. Another Wall Street chief strategist, Jim Paulson, he thinks inflation's rolled over and will continue to decline. His claim is that the historically peak inflation has been a very good time to buy stocks. The S&P 500's valuation, it's at a relatively low level, and that investor sentiment is very pessimistic, which is often seen as bullish for stocks. So Paulson, like Rosenberg, though, thinks the Fed tightening has gotten too extreme to the point that You know, rising bond yields, falling commodity prices, and mortgages becoming increasingly unaffordable could have a severe impact if it continues. My final example, it's a recent Bank of America survey, which showed um, they surveyed fund managers. 87% of them believe inflation has peaked. 79% think that it will fall over the next 12 months. Fund managers also believe that we'll see a capitulation rally. This is a concept where if prices fall for an extended period of time, like we've seen this year a majority of investors will panic and capitulate or sell their holdings, which essentially is rock bottom. And then that's when that selling pressure comes to an end, a market rally follows. In all three examples, the economists think we may be seeing peak inflation, but they all agree that the Fed is walking a tightrope. We won't know for sure when inflation will peak until after it happens. But like I mentioned earlier, this isn't the first time that we've been in an inflationary period or where things in the market look really scary. Thanks for tuning in today. If you have any questions about inflation and its impact to you, you can always schedule a call by going to BoutisFinancial.com backslash call.
0: Thank you for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Boutis Financial. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial planning and investment advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investments and financial planning.